0: I'm Karen. And I'm Michelle.
1: We're sisters and homeschool moms. Welcome to the Layers of Learning podcast, where we talk about family-style homeschooling.
0: Hi, it's so good to be back talking with all of you today. And today we're going to be talking about art, which is, I think, one of the most rewarding and fun subjects that you ever get to
1: do in homeschool.
0: And kids pretty much universally love it, don't you think, Karen?
1: For the most part, not every kind of art. You know, not every kid loves every bit of art, but it's really easy to find something that kids get into with art because it's not an incredibly challenging subject intellectually. You know, it's kind of relaxing. It is
0: relaxing and it's fun and you get to be creative and
1: there's not any right or wrong answers and there's not a lot of tests. (laughs) So art can be fun. You don't even need to grade art for the most part. You're just really enjoying art when you have that be part of your homeschool. Okay, so what do we mean when we say art as, as a school subject? What is it that you're actually studying? Well, in layers of learning, we tie the art in with the history throughout the curriculum. And I think that's a really powerful way to look at art because the history of the time and what was happening to the people kind of dictate the kinds of art that they created, the amount of art that they created. And so it's fun to look at the ties between the history and the art. So
0: you teach art kind of in order, or that's how we've done it in layers of learning. We teach it, you know, we start with ancient art, and then we move up through the years until we're hitting finally modern art.
1: Yeah, I remember when I was teaching my kids about ancient art, and I talked to them about, hey, does every culture and every society create art? And we decided not really, They only begin to create art when they're settled enough and peaceful enough and provided for enough that they're able to focus on that. They're not worried about beauty if they're focused on survival. And so that was one of the things that we talked about, you know, how much art surrounds us. We have beautifully painted walls. We have decorations in our homes. We have all of these things that we look at that we feel are essential, but actually that's because we live in a very luxury-based society and so you can begin to see what the purposes of art are when you match it up with the history and what was happening to the people at the time.
0: Okay so after that there, there's more to art than just art history and looking at famous artists and famous paintings and so on. It's also about art principles like line and shape and color theory.
1: Yeah there are basic ingredients in every single bit of art that's created, whether or not the artist knows that they're using those ingredients, that's what art is made of. And so when kids can begin to examine art through the lens of the elements of art, what makes it, it's really, really fascinating. I love to be able to hold up a painting or a picture. And then I ask my kids, what do you notice about the lines? And I just see what they have to say. And I say, do you spot any shapes in this painting? And it's interesting, sometimes they'll see the actual shapes that are printed on the page, and sometimes they'll notice the implied shapes between the figures of a page, like maybe there's a triangle within three bodies that are there on the painting, things like that.
0: And and first, first you introduce that topic, and maybe they're not very good at it at the beginning, but the more you do it, the more they begin to see that. And that actually makes looking at art more enjoyable than it is when you're not educated about that.
1: Right. Once they understand the elements and they can begin to see how different art was created with the different elements, it causes them to look longer. It causes them to really examine it and understand the art in new ways that they wouldn't see if they were just glancing at it with their eyes.
0: And I, I remember thinking in the past like you, there's a movie or something and there's somebody staring at a piece of art on a wall in a museum and i was always like well that's boring yeah. <laughs> i mean after you've seen it you've seen it move on like, that's that's kind of like let's get to the let's get to the rest of it move on but <laughs> but that's an uneducated person looking at art they just see a picture and an educated person sees a lot more
1: when i'm in a museum it's hard to pull me away from the paintings that i'm looking at and i have to look at it from really close up, and then five feet back, and then 10 feet back, and then from a really good distance away, I look at it from different angles, and I see different things. And it's really interesting also, if you haven't actually taken the time to take your kids to a museum where they're looking at real paintings, it is very, very different from looking at, you know, the image in a book or the image on the internet. It's a completely different experience to see the brushstrokes to see the little bits that make up each painting. And kids get excited about it once they're knowledgeable about it. They stop just running past everything in the gallery and they actually do enjoy the looking at the art and talking about it too. And I think that leads into the
0: next part of art education and that is analyzing art, which which goes a step beyond just noticing shapes and line and color and things like that. It goes into what is the message or what are the, the things about this art that tells us something about the person that painted it or the culture in which they painted it. And I, I think that to me is the most fascinating thing. And that takes a lot of practice to be able to start to see it yourself.
1: Absolutely. You could look at a painting for a really long time and still not understand the symbolism that is within it. But if all of a sudden you go, Oh, Look, in this era, when they painted a dog in the painting, that represented loyalty. Then all of a sudden, when your kids are spotting dogs and they know what it means, they're excited about it and they can talk about it and they understand. When you look at war art and you begin to understand that it was actually making a statement about the political climate that was happening during that war, it completely changes the way that you look at the painting or the piece of art. So, having a little bit of historical context, understanding the story of the artist, knowing about the symbolism of the time, that allows you to really analyze paintings in complete ways that totally change the way that you see art.
0: Uh, Khan Academy has a series. I
1: love that series. They're smart
0: history. Mm -hmm. I love that series because they have... Two people, a man and a woman, who take you to a museum and they discuss either a sculpture or a painting or sometimes more than one, but usually it's just one painting. And they spend about ten minutes just going into real detail on this painting. And it, it is amazing because there are things that I would never have seen on my own. That but once you have someone take you on a tour through it, it opens your eyes and you're like, Wow. So I think that's a huge part of art education.
1: They're really interesting to listen to. And they do link the history and the symbolism and even the elements of art that we talked about. They are a fantastic resource for that. I would really love to go tour a museum with those people. With those people. people. Yeah. (laughs) their, Their videos are really well done. So that's definitely something to check out. I think the next part of art education is often the one that everyone does and they don't know what their direction is exactly. And that's just actually being creative and making art. Yeah. Some things shouldn't be draw this line here and do this here and make it exactly this way. Instead, it should just be able to be a creative endeavor where kids just get to make what they want from their own imagination or their own ideas.
0: But it's it's a lot like science in that if you don't know what you're doing it's not going to be very effective or very rewarding or get you where you want to go. So if you don't have the other pieces, you know, the history of art, the art styles, the principles of art, the symbolism behind art, if you don't have those pieces in place, then when you actually make your own art, it will always look like a kindergartner did it because you don't have the tools to take it further.
1: Yeah, we did a really fun thing in our homeschool this past year. We were actually studying about plants in science and I wanted to kind of link the the science with the art and so it was actually just during our morning time I pulled out a whole bunch of still life floral pictures made by famous artists and so we were looking at those and I was having the kids actually point out the parts of a flower that we had learned in our science class you know kind of like they would label them but they were just out loud telling me the names of the parts of a flower. And we looked at a whole bunch. And then I said, okay, today for art class, we're going out into the woods and we live on some acreage. And so I told them, you need to take your sketchbook and you're going to go outside and you're going to sit down by any wildflower on our property and you're going to make your own still life. And so it was directed, but not like a how to draw page. It was directed just as much as you're going to go make a flower painting or you know drawing they could decide on their own medium and they all just sat down independently out in our woods and made these really really neat flower paintings but I think that if we hadn't looked at the floral still lifes and if we hadn't studied flowers they wouldn't have gotten the same thing out of it but because we had done some of the background work they made really detailed really neat flower still life paintings and it was really rewarding So art can be a really good connection between the other things that you're learning about in your homeschool too. The other thing that art classes often do is they just focus on painting.
0: And in Layers of Learning, we do more than painting. The arts is all of the arts. It includes sculpture and music and theater, all those things, as well as painting. So we like to cover all of those things through Layers of Learning.
1: Yeah, creativity is much more vast than just someone holding a paintbrush. And I think it's awesome when we can look at it more completely and holistically and see, you know, we talked about like a war painting. Well, think about the music over different generations and historical time periods, how that changes based on the history of what's happening and the statement that it is. That's really powerful to teach kids about. And I think that when you start to see those connections between what's happening in people's lives and what they produce, it's really fascinating. And that's true in the modern day, but it was also true long, long ago when oh, people yeah. were doing art. anciently. And, yeah. If If you study Egyptian art, it is so fascinating because you will learn about their religious beliefs. You will learn about their home decor. You yeah. will learn about... <laughs> the wealth and classes that existed and what kinds of people made the art in those days versus the classes of people that make it today and how
0: they're thought of. Like back then an artist was a workman. Yes. It was a trade. And we don't think of artists that way now. We don't think of it as a trade. It's a creative pursuit. Now it's an intellectual thing even like, yes,
1: it's, it's different. And so it's fascinating when you compare the art that's happening with the other things happening in the world And kids can absorb that. Even little kids can see connections with art and life.
0: So art really mirrors what is going on in the rest of society, even economics and values and politics. And one example that pops into my head is that Dutch painting became something that was for the middle class instead of the wealthy because the Dutch overthrew their government and had a republic. There weren't any aristocrats anymore. And so the people who could afford art were the merchants. And this is during the time of global exploration. The Dutch were going to India. And so all of that is related to the art that was happening during that time. You see the Dutch painting is no longer paintings of kings and queens and the royal classes. It is now a picture of a girl with a pearl earring. You know, It it completely changes what you see in the painting itself. And if you know that because of the history of the Dutch
1: people, and you can see what's happening in their society. Similarly, it's really fascinating to look at early American art, because at the same time in Europe, the art style was completely different. But the Americans were just getting started in this colonial society where they didn't have the same... There wasn't as much wealth. Yeah. They didn't have the supplies. They didn't... They didn't have the teachers. Yeah. They didn't have a great art museum to go and study the paintings. Yeah, it was different. So at the very same time period in two different places that modernly we think of as being somewhat similar, when America was just starting, their art was completely different. So looking at colonial art is fascinating when you compare it with the art that was happening at the very same time in Europe. So it's it's interesting to just see the mirror that it is for society. It's also... Art can be very, very political, and I think that you see
0: that in the counter-Reformation art, because in the north of Europe, the Protestants were producing art that was secular, and it was everyday life, and then the Catholics were pushing back against the political movement that Reformation was, and they did that in part through their art. They commissioned lots of art during this time. And it was mostly religious, it was very ornate, it showed off wealth,
1: it showed off power, and that was the message that they were trying to send. Both sides were sending a political message very intentionally. During that study, as we were looking at that as a family, I remember that we had different art cards from each one, and I had my kids sort them without me telling them which was which. We had learned about the Reformation, we had learned about the Counter-Reformation, and I said, okay, sort them out. Can you figure out which ones are Reformation paintings and which ones are counter-Reformation? And they did. It was pretty easy yeah. after they knew the backstory. Yeah. You know? And and that becomes memorable. You start to look at art in a new way when you connect it with the world. And it's it's not as hard as you would think if you just are piecing the history with the art together and learning them alongside each other.
0: Art can also be connected to technology. So, for example... Jan van Eyck painted when oil paints were brand new. It was a new technology. And his painting, I don't think he's ever been surpassed by anyone as a technical painter. Personally, I think he's the greatest painter ever, but that's just my opinion. (laughs) See, I'm a Monet fan. I love Monet too. But Jan van Eyck, I mean, his technical skill was so incredible. We should have a debate about that. (laughs) Next podcast. but, But also, think about modern art. The whole reason that art became so abstract was because of the invention of the camera. It no longer became such a big thing to show realistic views of the
1: world. Prior to the camera, that was the entire goal of artists was how can we make, for example, the human body look actually realistic, the landscape painting look actually realistic. Some of the sculpture that
0: was happening during the Reformation, of course, this is pre-camera, If you didn't know that wasn't a person, (laughs) like you want to go up and touch it because the muscles and you can see
1: the hairs and everything looks so real. Exactly. But then with the camera, you went, oh, we can capture that in no time at all. So art changed course and said, let's capture a feeling. Let's capture an emotional experience, things like that. and. They felt that they could capture things that the camera couldn't capture, and so it took a new turn, a new direction. And then, of course, photography itself
0: became an art, mm-hmm. and and but it's a separate art; it's different from painting or sculpture or or any of the other arts. So
1: well, and then it went on to become even the artists who took a picture and then painted from their picture. You know, you yes. had you had that too, and so art evolves over time in really interesting ways, and it's just a fun look at the world with your kids. You can just explore things in new ways that you might not think about if you just are just studying the history and not seeing people's view of it through the art that they create. So when when we learn about artists and
0: art, I like to have my kids do projects that teach them about the artist or at least that create a hook in their mind. For example, this is kind of I think it's been done a lot But when when my kids were learning about Michelangelo You know he painted on the Sistine Chapel And he had to lay there on his back So we had a piece of paper taped to the bottom of our table And they got to paint on the bottom of the table Their stuff did not look like Michelangelo's stuff <laughs>
1: I've never made anything that looked like Michelangelo's stuff. He was pretty good. And I wasn't painting upside down.
0: But but the idea that I I mean, they're sitting there painting upside down and they've got paint dripping on their faces and I'm
1: like, "Yep, so did he." And I remember telling my kids when we did that, "Look, you did that for like 45 minutes. How long did Michelangelo <laughs> do know. that? That was quite a feat for him to do the Sistine Chapel ceiling." And you know, they have an appreciation for it in new ways, too, when they have those experiences.
0: And they just they remember who Michelangelo was and that he painted the Sistine Chapel ceiling. I mean, that that creates a hook in their mind, even though they did not reproduce that painting underneath our table by any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Not they even still, close. They still remember that. And so I like to use art that the kids actually do in that way a lot.
1: Yeah. My kids even really enjoy when they look at a painting you know, a famous painting, and then they recreate it, even though there's is nothing like the original. One of our favorites was Starry Night. That's a classic painting. And I loved teaching my kids the different brush strokes that Van Gogh used as he painted that iconic painting. And even though our Starry Night versions did not turn out looking anything like the original, they still experienced it. And they made really neat Starry Night paintings of their own. I remember when you guys
0: did the scream. Do you remember that? That was a fun project. You just painted the backgrounds and then you took photographs of your kids doing the scream and then you cut out their body shapes and stuck it on their backgrounds that they had painted. That's cool. Yeah, I I actually made
1: them cut out their own pictures. I took the pictures, (laughs) but yeah, they cut out their bodies and they glued them to the backgrounds that they had painted. And it was a really fun afternoon. It was just like, we will always laugh about the fun scream paintings that we made the one in the painting looks kind of eerie the scream paintings that my kids made you could tell they were cracking up it was really fun but they actually screamed in our neighborhood we talked <laughs> we talked about the sound effects that came with the painting no no police were called <laughs> but, but we do love to make our versions of those iconic paintings just because it's memorable Our kids will always remember The Scream. They will always remember Starry Night. They remember every single painting that we made a version of. Even though ours look nothing as artistic or wonderful. You know, we're not going to sell ours at auction. (laughs) But they are a fun addition to, you know, our sketchbooks or to our art portfolios. And and it's just fun.
0: And like all of the layers of learning subjects, it should be fun. It should be something that your kids are like, oh, yay, do we get to do art today? So hopefully that's what's happening
1: well and along the way they really do develop the artistic skills that sometimes we dismiss and say oh I'm not artistic well you probably just haven't done it enough I mean I know that not everyone is super artistic but you know we had recently a family paint day I don't know if you're familiar with the um, watercolor type lessons Michelle have you seen those You can, like, order watercolor kits and things, and they have online tutorials and things. I have seen the
0: online tutorials. We, We did that once.
1: Well, my husband's mom decided to gather the materials and invite people over to do this family watercolor art. And everybody got to choose from a variety of paintings that she had gotten the supplies for, and they followed the tutorials. And so this is not, like, a family that's known for artistic ability. This is not, you know what we would normally do on a Saturday. But grandma planned it. And so we did it. And the funny thing is that my father in law was the one who was like, I'm not painting. I don't paint. I'm, I'm not doing that. He was not having it. And she finally convinced him, look, the grandkids are painting, you paint, you know, <laughs> and he did. And his painting is now hanging on their wall. Because it ended
0: up being good. Like
1: he was sure that he couldn't do it. But it's really good. I'll tell you what's fun.
0: We we buy canvases and they're really cheap. You know, you can get them at At art stores or at even Walmart places like that. And you can just buy a canvas. And if the kids are painting on a canvas, it feels so permanent. It's real. real. And and they're not that expensive. So it's worth it to do every now and then. But I had the kids paint and they, they actually used a how to draw tutorial and they drew animals. They each had a different animal they got to pick. And then they drew it right on their canvas and then they painted it in and we hung it into our travel trailer. And we have the their art in our travel trailer, which is super fun.
1: We actually have an entire wall of our garage that's, as you come into the house, that is our art gallery, and it's reserved for the canvas paintings, and sometimes my kids paint on wood, but it's not the pictures, you know, that are just, you know, a quick sketch, because the kids make tons and tons of those, and those usually go in their sketchbooks, but on this wall, it's our gallery of their more intricate, more involved art that they've done on their canvases. And they get really into it when they are making a picture that they think might make it up to the gallery.
0: We we did an online art class once and there was a teacher that was teaching how to paint. Like She basically walked you through, do this, then do that. And, and we painted along with her. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting because everybody's painting turned out so differently from everyone else's oh yeah but they all turned out good
1: they were all bright and beautiful and happy and it was like wow this is cool it's really fun to see how even like that like instructional art takes on the individual personality of the person who painted it it might be a difference in color it might be a difference in just the feeling or the design or the brush strokes or whatever it is but each individual artist gets to put themselves into it even if they don't even realize at the beginning that's happening that automatically happens when we do art and it's it's fun to see the differences my kids love to watch bob ross they make I, bob ross paintings
0: if you're an american and you don't do bob ross what are you, you doing failed. <laughs> You failed <laughs> <laughs> he's just fun he's, he's great he's fun to watch So that goes along with the next purpose of art. Besides learning about great artists, it is to develop your art skills. So it's like a skill in everything else. You get better at it the more you practice it. And there are certain things you can do that will purposely develop those skills. I like how to draw books. I think they do a great job of teaching how to look at a real thing in the real world and break it down into simple shapes and actually be able to draw it.
1: I think that's one of the neat things about learning the elements of art is that you begin to see the lines and the shapes and the colors. You dissect the art in your mind and you see how it was created. And once you see that, then you realize, oh, I can create that. And even if you're not a super artistic person, you can see it in a simple enough manner that you can do a basic job of recreating art on your own terms using those elements. So, I'm not, I do not consider myself
0: an artist at all.
1: And yet, but- you've painted all of the covers for Layers of Learning. <laughs> That's what I was going to say.
0: So when we first started doing this Layers of Learning thing, we were like, what are the covers going to look like? You know, we had to design these covers. And we've seen lots of book covers that are really, really boring. And we were like, no, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And finally, I said, Karen, I'm going to do something. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> You started painting. So
0: I started painting these watercolor paintings. And they're very simple. They are not highly technical by any means, but they look good, I think. I
1: mean, maybe that's just me. (laughs) We always say that we specialize in art that looks like a kid made it. We are very good at that. (laughs) That's what we do. Anyway. But but
0: that's become a style for us. Yes, it's become a style. And and the art does look good. It's not fine art and nobody's going to pay a million dollars for it and put it on their house, especially because it's on paper. (laughs) But, But it ends up on our covers and it looks good.
1: Well, and I think it's important to note that a kid painting a birdhouse is art. A kid doing sidewalk chalk on the driveway is art. There are lots of mediums, lots of versions, lots of ideas. But the purpose is that you're creatively making something from your mind and getting it out there for other people.
0: I took my kids to the store one day and we had mosaics coming up and I wanted them to be able to make something real that they would get to keep so I took them to the store we went to the crafts and I told them I want you to look at this wall it was all wooden things like little wooden boxes and little wooden birdhouses and and different things made out of wood I said I want you to choose one you're going to be putting tiles on it and decorating it so they got to pick their own thing that they got to make and we took them home and they did the tiles and Well, first we painted them so they'd have a background color and then Mm -hmm. they put tiles on them and then we filled it in with the, what do you call it? Mortar that Uh goes in between the tiles and they still have them. I mean, they're, again, they're not like fine art. They're not like super fancy, but the kids learned a new skill and they got to practice their fine motor skills and they got to practice design and colors and, and all that kind of stuff.
1: We did that same kind of a thing with stained glass. I went to a stained glass store in town and I said, Hey, do you have any scraps And I did have to buy them, but it was super, super cheap for just their cast-off scraps. And I wasn't ready to delve into actually creating stained glass with my kids because that is pretty involved. It involves hot metal and all kinds of things. Yeah, and it requires a lot of tools and things that we didn't have. But instead, I took a picture frame with just the glass in it, and I got some special adhesive. And they were able to take the glass pieces, the, the scraps of stained glass in various colors... And they broke them into the sizes that they wanted, and then they adhered them onto the glass frame, and they made their own version of stained glass-like art. And it was really fun, and it was just abstract. It wasn't like they made a sailboat or anything. It was just an abstract activity. But they were really creative. They were really artistic. They were really into it. And each of theirs turned out strikingly different from their siblings, which always fascinates me I love seeing what each one creates and how it turns out different from the others
0: and we've talked a lot about how whenever we do these art projects together we're doing them together and I do it most of the time I do it with the kids I'm not super into crafts and stuff but like when we followed that tutorial of the woman teaching us how to paint I did it with them we all did it together and I actually didn't hate
1: it so (laughs) it was pretty good see for me The art portion is like my relaxation portion of homeschool. I don't feel any pressure that we have to learn facts. I don't feel any pressure that there needs to be a test or gained knowledge. For me, it's just a really interesting look at the world in a creative way. It's relaxing. We love to turn on music while we're making art. Um, Sometimes we watch videos about the art that we're talking about, but it just feels low pressure to me. It's relaxing to me. So, Karen, how do you learn about art? There are
0: facts. I mean, because, you know, there's artists and there's art styles. So do you, have, do you read books or
1: how do you? Well, art has always, for me, kind of been a passion of mine. So, I mean, I started going to art galleries and reading all sorts of art books and anthologies even when I was a teenager. And so through college, I took a lot of art classes. So it's something that I was just naturally really into. I don't know that most people can say that. No, I, I never took an art co- class. You really never did? I really never did. Wow. I didn't know that, Michelle. The, only art the class things I, I learned I took, about you.
0: Okay, the only art class I ever <laughs> took was in high school because it was a requirement for the high school to graduate. It was pottery, and it was the worst grade I ever got in school. It was a C, it was terrible. So it shaped you like your hatred of art for a little well, while. No, I don't. Like. I don't. <laughs> Here's the thing, I don't hate art. I just don't but
1: really like doing art. We'll put it that way. Like I'm going to go back and find that teacher and harass him. It wasn't his fault. I really <laughs> was really bad at pottery.
0: <laughs> he taught very well. It was just I couldn't make a pot. Well, I, most I
1: don't have good eye hand coordination. <laughs> Most of the classes that I took were more humanities and art history type classes because I just got really into that. I became really fascinated by those subjects.
0: I did take a humanities class in high school. And I think that that is what introduced me to fine art and liking art and knowing about it. So I do know I like learning about artists and art periods and art styles and great pieces of art. But actually doing the art, that's the part that I don't like
1: so much. I think it's funny because you actually do way more art than you even know you do. I You're know. a super creative <laughs> person. You just don't like glitter. I don't.
0: <laughs> I don't like glitter. And I don't have a friendly feeling towards clay.
1: <laughs> you don't like messes. That's your trouble. I
0: don't. When A lot of times when the kids do a craft, I have to leave the room because I just emotionally cannot handle it. <laughs>
1: I have to leave. See, and I'm in my happy place. I'm like, look at all the creative materials. It's funny because when you look around my homeschool room, there are like glass jars full of art supplies and It's very colorful. It's very colorful. And you would never find that in your home, would you, Michelle?
0: No. Well, we do have art supplies, but they are hidden inside a cupboard. It, that's what I mean. It wouldn't be out. It wouldn't be yeah. Visible. Not so much.
1: But in, in my house. All my it's walls like, are painted white. <laughs> all mine are different colors. <laughs> But that is one thing that I think we do need to mention. When you're teaching art as a homeschool parent, I think oftentimes we just go to whatever store is available and get the cheapest art supplies. And I'm not telling you to spend a fortune, but there is a difference between, for example, a super cheap watercolor paint set and real Quality watercolor paint. Especially the brushes. I think that is the even brushes a for deal. sure.
0: It's like imagine a child's gardening set and then you have to use that to do your actual gardening. Not going to be fun and not going to turn out well. And that's what you're actually asking kids
1: to do with their art. You can't do a good job with poor quality tools. Exactly. So it's good if you can to invest a little bit. You know, like you mentioned. Canvases aren't super expensive, but they make a huge difference in what your kids will create. And you don't have to do that for every single thing they do. But, you know, if you get a canvas for one project during the year for each of your kids, it's like, wow. Exactly. And even something as simple as the thicker watercolor paper instead of just the super thin typing paper makes a really big difference in how they can create and what they can create. Same thing with certain clays. Like it's totally fine to play with Play-Doh. But if you're planning to actually keep the item, play Doh's not going to be the answer to your sculpture.
0: Or homemade dough either. Yeah. You, you have to actually get real clay.
1: So you don't have to spend a fortune, but you might not want to get every single art supply that is just the cheapest one on the store shelf either. For a lot of things, it works just fine. I mean, when we did mosaics one year, we used construction paper and jelly beans, and it was really fun. And we didn't keep them forever. You know, that was just a project that we made and then we were done. It was fine. I think the key is to get something that is
0: real at least once every year. Like something that is a little bit higher end just once every year, at least that
1: often. You don't have to do it all the time, but every now and then you should have a special project. Exactly. If you are able to, then every now and then try to look at real art instead of just pictures of art in books. I, I mean, I still remember... When my kids were young, I told you that I've always been kind of an art fanatic, and so my husband knew this. And when we had little kids, he was never willing to pay for us all to go into the art gallery because you know, it's expensive, and yeah. you know
0: those five-year-olds are not appreciating. He it.
1: was imagining them just <laughs> running through running and <laughs> yeah, causing chaos and crying babies, and you know if that's the spot that you're in, you're probably not going to pay the big bucks to go and see an art gallery. So I. I remember him saying, I'll keep the kids out on the lawn because he always bought me the tickets. He knew that it was something I was really into. And so I would go in and tour for an hour or two and he'd take the kids to a park and play or something. But now that our kids are older, they all go into the museums and the galleries and see the real art. And that's not something we do regularly. It's something that we try to do once a year or something. You know, when we go somewhere that has a neat art gallery, we We try to make that happen. But it is really different to see real art instead of just looking at the book, the little picture in the book.
0: Yeah, it is different. And you can see the scale of it. I I have never seen the Mona Lisa in person. (laughs) but I but it's tiny it's tiny yeah I understand people are very surprised by how small it is they're like whoa and they have an entire room in the Louvre just for that painting but it's this little tiny thing (laughs) up on the wall and then other art is huge and you're like wow I had no idea
1: well even something like when I saw Van Gogh's sunflowers in his museum in Europe it was incredible to me not the size of the painting but the size of the brush strokes the impasto Because it actually comes
0: off of the canvas. A good distance. It must have taken
1: six months to dry that paint. Exactly. And it was shocking to me. And I had looked at that. I had examined that painting in college art classes and discussed it. And until I saw it in person, it never struck me. I mean, I always heard that you could feel the texture. It is unreal how much it sticks off of the surface. And things like that, it's just different when you see it in real life. I do think, though, that reading books
0: about art can be valuable, especially if they're the right books. Usually big art anthologies are
1: boring, but I love kids' picture books about art. There are some really good ones out there. They do a really good job of connecting the artist with what they painted in a lot of the kids' picture books. You get the story. That goes with the art.
0: It's funny because I'm slightly above the kids' picture book reading level, but I like them personally, not just to read to my kids, but I like them. I learn from them, and I think it's fascinating. So I think that even something like that can be valuable for you to do as a read-aloud right before you do an art project, even if you've got older kids too.
1: Yeah, for sure. Just like the other layers of learning subjects, Art is really best learned as a family. It gives you a chance to discuss, to notice things, to talk about the artists and the paintings and how it relates to the history. And you can really get a lot of perspectives from the members of your family when you're just in it together. And I personally think it's more fun to do a project
0: like that if you're in a room with a bunch of other people doing it. You know, if if there's a couple people or three or four people working on the same art project, you're all you're talking painting together, you're all sculpting something
1: together. It, it makes it more fun and you can compare your results at the end. And yeah, we we end up talking and laughing and joking and enjoying visiting while we're doing a lot of our art. It really is a peaceful, relaxing part of our school week. And like we mentioned, the art videos that you can watch, those are really applicable to all ages. A lot of the kids picture books are good for Everyone from little kids all the way through adults. So art is one of those really easy to adapt to the whole family subjects.
0: So I think people sometimes are intimidated by teaching art be- mostly because they're like, I'm not an artist. I can't possibly teach my kids how to paint or how to make a sculpture or even how to organize a mosaic so it looks good. And
1: so what what would you say about that, Karen? Well, I don't think that's really my goal in art. I'm not sitting here thinking, I hope by the end of their high school career, my kids are selling paintings. That's not my goal. Right. I want them to appreciate the art of the world and to understand how it's made and how it's related to the story of the people on this planet. And I just want them to really look with eyes that see more than just the surface. And That naturally comes as you're pursuing art as a family. So if I were really concerned, like, for example, if I had a kid who I went, wow, they really could have a future in art. They might want to do this for their life, like as a career. I probably wouldn't be the best teacher for them. Even though I love art and I study art, I would get them a tutor. Right. You would sign them up for classes. Yeah. But that's not actually my goal when I'm teaching art to our family. When you relax about your goal and realize, what is it that I want them to come away with? I want them to come away with seeing the beauty of this world. I want them to come away understanding how people communicate visually. I want them to see more deeply than just what they notice at first glance. And that's what studying art does. It causes you to appreciate, to be enriched, to look more deeply at things.
0: You know what else I think is important is... I think a lot of us have the tendency to, to disparage ourselves or our results. Like, oh, that's terrible. That's awful. I mean, we just did it in this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but We're
0: human. But, but when <laughs> when you are sitting there doing an art project with your kids, I think it's important to model being happy with your result, even if it's not quite what you pictured in your mind or it's
1: not as good as, well, Van Gogh did it better, <laughs> you know. Well, and it's perfectly fine to say, if I did this again, I would... Or next time I will, you know, it's it's totally fine to learn from your artistic pursuits in the same way you learn from your scientific pursuits or from the mistakes you make on your project for history or anything. You know, it's it's fine that art's not perfect. Art isn't perfect, but that doesn't mean that you have to discount it and throw it out and say, I'm no good. You can learn from it and progress without, you know, throwing it away. I think art is important enough that we teach it
0: all year round. We do art all the time in our homeschool. We have it on, on our schedule. We do it once a week. We normally do it on Thursdays. And I do it all the way through all their school years. Because I it, it's important enough. I think it's, it, it deserves weight, just like history and science and geography deserve some weight. They deserve some time and, and effort. So... Karen, what is your schedule for art?
1: How often do you do it? When do you do it? We do it the same way that I handle the other layers of learning subjects. So we do history and geography on Mondays and Wednesdays, and we do science and art on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And then in addition to that, I will add, this isn't something that's part of the layers of learning curriculum or anything, but I have all of my kids take music lessons too. I actually have two, and we are
0: even less than an artistic family. We are not a musical family. I'm kind of handicapped in
1: that regard, actually. My my family's a little bit more musical than yours, I think. But there are valuable lessons in it, even if all they're learning is persistence. Yeah.
0: My kids all took at least two years of piano lessons because I wanted them to appreciate music. I wanted them to learn how to read music. I wanted them to at least try it. You don't know if they're going to have a talent for it until they've given it a shot. And they may love it. I actually have one son who does enjoy music, and it's not going to become his career or anything, but he has found that he likes it. He has a piano in his home, and he plays it just for fun. Mm -hmm. So
1: my kids, probably a little bit more musical. They play piano, and a couple play the violin and the guitar. But it's something that is fun. It's not something that's super structured in our home. I mean, they play in a relaxed way. They're supposed to do it every day, but it's not like I test them or challenge them or anything like that. It's just something that we continually work at and grow at. And I like my kids to be involved in creative pursuits. I think that it helps them intellectually when they're using all of those parts of their brain in in those ways that may not ever happen if they just planted themselves in front of the TV after school. Instead, they have some other things that they do. And like playing piano is one of those things. So when we're doing art, most of our time is spent
0: actually either either analyzing a painting and watching videos about that or doing art we don't spend too much of our time reading a little bit but most of our time is spent like actually
1: looking at art or making art yeah we also use the art cards quite a bit and the art cards are just little miniature versions of famous paintings and they're kind of sorted by either by artist or by style right and so it lets us find the common things within those art cards you know we can look at it and say oh what were the common themes during the impressionist era things like that and so the kids become familiar with kind of the art history so we do that and as you said the videos the hands-on art we do use like the Story of Painting or or the DK Visual Encyclopedia of the Arts, we'll use those for historical reference. But
0: that only takes like a couple minutes and you've read the page and then you can go to your video or your actual art project. Yeah,
1: the vast majority of our art time is just spent creating.
0: We spend probably an hour or two hours a week somewhere in there that we're spending on art. You probably do it a little bit more, Karen, but
1: oh, that's about what we we're do. We're close to that. If you take out the musical instruments and all of that part you know that, in our homeschool yeah. that's about what we do it depends if we're doing a bob ross painting that can go on for hours <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> yeah. But, happy clouds but art is usually at the end of our school day so it gets to run as long as the kids are happy and creating and then when we're done we clean up and we're done we don't have a time that we go, oh, no, we need to be done. And so it just kind of is a free creative time in our school that it doesn't feel any sort of pressure. So the kids don't feel itching to leave or anything. We just we just enjoy it. We usually do whatever our layers of learning subject is towards
0: the end of our day, because that way I don't feel any pressure. I can I can just
1: it can it go until as you're long done as it. Yeah, as long yeah. as it needs to. Yeah, that, that's how we are, too. It helps us to enjoy it more when we don't have that crunch of, oh, no, we haven't gotten the math lesson done or, you know, whatever yeah. you feel like you need to do for the day. Instead, it can just run until you're done, until people are feeling done.
0: I feel like anybody can teach art as long as you have some access to a few books and probably the Internet to help you get those tutorials and And to help you see the great art, anybody can do it. You don't need to feel intimidated by it. And you definitely don't need to feel intimidated when you actually get out the paints or the clay. Just a lot
1: of it is just exploring and having fun. Yeah, just keep in your mind, you're not creating pieces for sale. So you don't have to have any great artistic talent. You are just enjoying creative pursuits and seeing the beauty of things.
0: And one of the most important things is modeling, being happy. In learning and in being happy with the results of whatever you've done. Exactly.
1: Thanks for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating wherever you listen. Ratings and comments help people find happy family style homeschooling. Visit us at layersoflearning.com, at Instagram, and on our Facebook group. And make sure to tune in next month for the next podcast. In the meantime, we wish you happiness in your homeschool. Have fun learning.